begin? Games. Games. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Enemy Slime podcast. This is episode number 58. I am your host, Jared, and I am joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. Nice to be here. We have Mr. Doug Wilson. That is me. Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Filled with holiday cheer. Filled with holiday cheer. So, um, God, let's just let's jump right into it. Crazy stuff's been happening all week. Um, so let's let's kick things off with a little bit of news. I don't know if you, what you guys brought to the table, but um, we've kind of reserved discussion of this game for the podcast, and we can keep it limited because it seems at this time that the issue's kind of resolved itself. But um, you guys remember that hit new game, Hatred, right? Yes. Well, the issue hasn't resolved itself because it can still release to GOG if it meets its requirements. Actually, I have a I have a little update for you that is like hot off the presses. So, oh, really? Um, hot, hot, hot. Hatred, <laughs> Hatred went ahead and uh, put up a Greenlight page on Steam Greenlight, and uh, Valve reportedly took it down. And by all intents and purposes, that's what it looks like happened. Um, and... There were a lot of people who applauded that decision, but there were a lot of other people who saw it as a negative thing because the whole intent of Greenlight is it's supposed to be a community democratic process, and Valve just kind of circumvented that and said, well, no, not really. Um, And I think that there's a really interesting discussion to be had there about the nature of Valve's role in the marketplace and the monopoly they have and whether or not they should be... um, you know, whether or not it was appropriate to remove the game. But all of that is moot because as of just a few hours ago, the game is back on Steam Greenlight. Oh, okay. And it has uh, <laughs> it has just the most charming comment section that you could ever dream of. Well, go ahead and read some then. Uh, should we? Let's, uh, hang on, let me see what I can find for you. Hatred Greenlight. Uh, it's just replace all blood in the game with, like, butterflies. So if you stab someone, butterflies pop out. Let's read and then some problem solved. recent comment. So let's say we, we have, here's hoping this doesn't get taken down for no reason. Again, game looks promising. You've got my vote. Oh, good. Um, let's see. Woohoo. Woohoo. So fucking metal. <laughs> I pre-ordered this sucker. Um, oh, maybe Lucio can help me here. A mi me gusta como se ve el juego. Si estuviera en Steam lo compara. He's saying that he likes how the game is looking. If it's on Steam, he'll buy it. Wow. All right. Um, let's see. So far, none of these comments sound too. Well, the page uh, actually vitriolic. the page has actually changed since I came back here. It's um, nice to see that the people wholeheartedly support a graphic murder simulator. Welcome back to and, and actually the top forum thread is SJW as targets in game, please. Oh, how could you even tell? And that I mean, has that yeah, exactly. No, no, no. That's a request. That's a feature request. I, I, I know, but how would that? I'm, asking, I'm legitimately yeah, how, asking how, would, how that that work? would that work? I I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see. Women, I don't. <laughs> all the you butt, have like a yeah. Tumblr shirt. All the butt hurt <laughs> is beautiful. Game made by neo Nazis, but Valve are Nazis too. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I don't. I don't, follow, I don't think you know what that means. So. There's a lot of Jimmy's rustled and all kinds of stuff here. I'm really curious what the vote actually is going to come out to. Like, do you think that? Do you think it could pass? Yeah. No. Yes. And get greenlit. Yeah. In fact, I absolutely guarantee you will. I think a lot of people pointed out and made a really good point that like there are games that 
maybe not from a content standpoint, but are much more like horrible on Steam, like broken games, like bad rats and. Uh, okay, so so let's get this out of the way. Steam allows a lot of shit right. on your platform. I mean, a lot of shit. Games that aren't even finished, games that will never be finished. This has nothing to do with the quality of the game. It has everything to do with just Bob not wanting to be associated with them and then having enough of a backlash to put it back. That's it. This is all that happened here. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how bad the game is or even the content. It's just that it got enough publicity to become a target. And that's it. That's but, all it but, is. But I guess the, the, I guess is, the, the question is, 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 just, is just were they right to remove it in the first place? Like, <laughs> Yes, because the, the thing is, Valve... You know, you can say it's fucking as democratic as you want, but Valve owns Greenlight. So as long as they I'm pretty sure somewhere in their terms and service it says we can do whatever the fuck we want. So, it, it, so it, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's not their terms of service because it's not. Um, you it's know, not a publicly controlled platform. It's it's, it's by a business. Valve. It's not it's a charity. Yeah. You're you're so, right. You're right. I I I'm not saying I I don't even mean it from like a legal standpoint or anything like that. I almost mean it more from like an ethical standpoint, just from the from the factor of like they have such a monopoly and such a grip on. Is it? Uh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, I think there's just maybe an interesting thought to be had there. And uh, this this game almost is a moot point, but just uh, you know any other game in the. In the system, it's kind of like the paranautical activity guys. Like they're off Steam, and so they pretty much just don't have a chance anymore. And um, I just wonder how much. I, I don't. I factor. don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a matter of ethics because they don't have a monopoly as long as Amazon and uh, GOG and all those other websites exist. They might not be as strong as Valve, not quite yet. You know, they might not be the go-to platform. Um, you have Origin and New Play as well. And I'm not saying these other ones are good, but it's still not a no- monopoly if those are allowed to enter the market and kind of uh, bring their own ideas and their own games to it. So yeah. ethically, they're not doing anything wrong. We might not like that Valve is the most powerful, but, you know, they're, they're not in the negative here. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't even think hatred is that important to be a battleground for like oh it's not i guess there are a lot of people that are afraid you know that are coming towards this as you know oh, uh, it's, oh, it's not game. important his no. name is not important this will make <laughs> the people see the truth well played jay anyway <laughs> 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 yeah. what i mean is you know i don't even think it's worth having the discussion about this a bad game or looks like a bad game it has nothing that's hasn't been seen before and it probably won't be seen since. It just happened to, you know, hit, um, you know, it just Ben Kuchera needed something to fill that quarter of the day and, you know, the trailer was released. Which they so retailers all the, the time. If this oh, was God. the best school shooter simulator they've ever made, would you say it's worth the conversation then? No. Actually, that's a really good I question because think- it looks uninspired and uninteresting, but what if it looked really fucking sweet? What, you mean like Far Cry? And just dealt with like awful subject matter. but Like Far Cry. It looked really, really fun. Like Far Cry. Yeah. I mean, I would probably play it because I played this role. And I'm giving you another game that's already on the market. Far Cry 2. We're just not as mad at we're just not mad as mad as Far Cry because you know it's stuff that doesn't affect us. Well, the stuff, the, the stuff like the, the stuff that goes on in hatred is actually in this country, but everything that happens in the Far Cry series has happened in other countries, and we haven't shown hmm. near near the same outrage for that. 
Oh, you know I was going to say you're, you sound like a lad asshole, but you know I think you're right. Actually, it's kind of a it's offended our local sensibilities, so now it's bad. But well, it offends your sensibility because you're looking at somebody who's essentially you in in that uh, sweater vest, khaki pants, getting mowed down by um, <laughs> by somebody who I think everybody here probably knows someone who looks like the main character from Hatred. I did in high school, but then everyone got a life. And perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, maybe even at one point was somebody who looked like the main character of Hatred. I mean, that's right, Doug. I'm looking at you. That's true. I looked. I look just like the guy. And maybe someday <laughs> I will be the Hatred. Guy. <laughs> so it better not piss me off. <laughs> you hear that, podcast listeners? <laughs> I'm coming for you. Stay. Stay on his good side. I'm so glad we're back at threatening people. Oh, well, you know, you got you got to feel a little uneasy when you listen to the Enemy Slime podcast, episode number fifty-eight. Doug, Doug does murder. I guess um, he loves it. Uh, can't get enough murder. Can't get enough. I gotta have that hot blood. Anyway, this is probably the best thing that could happen to hatred because now it's going to sell a ton of copies. The best thing that happened to Hatred was the fact it got pressed in the first place. You know, yeah, everyone's like, don't pay attention to this game by giving it a ton of press. Being being on Steam is going to very easily be a boon to them, though. Uh, if they yeah, can, if they can get through the green light process. And you know what? If I was Valve to appease the people, I would bring the game back onto the page, and then I would just go in and edit the votes so that it comes out a landslide no. And Ooh, You uh, should have uh, worked for Gabe. Uh, Gabe, call me up. I'll I'll push the button. I'll take the fall. So. I mean, and you know, we talk about this being a response maybe to public outrage, but maybe they're also worried that the makers of hatred will kill them. No, they're not. <laughs> if they don't put everybody, the game everybody, back. everybody knows that since the uh, paranoid activity incident, Gabe has an elite force of bodyguards around him twenty four seven. These guys, these guys have some pretty dark thoughts, though. So I mean, you got to worry about it a little bit. Oh, yeah, the periodical guys were blowing steam. This I guy, haven't really, I haven't really looked into the personal doctrines of the people developing hatred. I haven't really cared that much. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, what was there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about as far as news goes? I can't really think of anything uh, too huge. Street Fighter Five, maybe. Yeah, I mean that did happen. We we got the uh, and that was a. I think we had that available to us to talk about last week too, but we really didn't. Um, I think it was what the PlayStation Experience event where they got to reveal it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it is exclusive to the PlayStation and the PC. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, I don't know if you guys watched the video for it, but it looks an awful lot like Street Fighter Four. Which is fine, but uh, they're bringing Charlie back. And that's their big move. Is is that yeah. a big move? It is a big move because it's supposed to be there. It's one of those It's like bringing like Uncle Ben back. I feel like they I feel like they could have brought Charlie back. As an add-on character in Wait. Street Fighter Four Hyper Terminal, uh, Uncle Ben, the rice guy, he was in Street <laughs> no, Fighter because that sounds pretty good. Actually, that that'd be all right. <laughs> Little grain combos. He has like minute rice attack, and that'd be pretty <laughs> sweet. I'm just saying. He it comes out of the microwave and it burns your mouth. There you go. Characters eat it too fast. So I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just. And until I see some serious like gameplay, I won't really get excited. I don't. I don't have the patience for Street Fighter anymore. I, I used to, but it's just. Um, I mean, I like the games. 
they, but it's not a thing. Mortal Kombat is is kind of what drove me away from it a little bit because the last uh, NetherRealm games being Mortal Kombat and Injustice, they both have like these elaborate side story mode or, or, or like story modes and a, a lot of like challenge content and all this just kind of bonus stuff to do and a, a ton of shit to unlock and they give you so much to do on the single player front and then Street Fighter 4 just kind of gives you nothing like you just have fight each other and that's pretty much it and so it's really hard for me to go to that now and pay $60 for a game that like nobody I know plays Street Fighter so there's no real competitive element to have with it it's just sort of, I don't know. It's it's not for me anymore. I don't think. Fair enough. But yeah. It's, there's it's it's tight it's Titanfall, right? Like there's just there's not really anything to do after you you can uncover most of the content in just a couple hours, and then it's just a matter of getting better at it and playing by yourself, and then eventually you die. Because we all I die have, someday. Um, what is up with you today? I just I I've been thinking about mortality a lot after buying some amiibos. <laughs> that's a logical leap of reason anyway <laughs> um, I want to say it right here guys if I die soon bury me with my amiibos <laughs> um, I mean, I have a group of friends I have a group of friends that play Street Fighter so that's um, you know I guess makes it a lot better to use it works for and you to be fair, right? yeah, and to be fair Street Fighter is still one of the most solid like fighting game experiences so I can I can talk about like Mortal my... Kombat is not as bad as good as Street Fighter in terms of like the mechanics are not bad. exactly, but the package that I'm being given for the price that they want feels a lot more fair with no, and, Mortal and, Kombat and, and Injustice than it does with Street and Fighter. And I agree that is actually a fair argument, but it does you know when you have a group of friends that you want to play with, I think it is a superior franchise. So I mean that tells us right, Lucio will be the guy who reviews Street Fighter. So. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I like I like uh, fighting games in general, so I buy a lot of them. Um, I want to say that I haven't really touched Injustice since I finished the story modes, but I also haven't picked up Street Fighter at all. So yeah, I actually I I, I, I have I have the arcade edition of Street Fighter Four, and I mean it's still like in the wrapping. Like I just haven't even I've never even put it in and played it. I'm I don't think. I'm playing King of Fighters Thirteen like a real man. Yeah. I'm playing face flu, uh, whatever trigger, bullshit. Uh, yeah, that was some self-esteem. Yeah, that's um, that's that's only for people who are ready for the blazing speed and excitement that only Japan can give. That's right. That's me. <laughs> blazing speed and excitement. Yeah. Hey, Jared, can we talk about your amiibos? My my amiibo crisis. Yeah. So, I haven't quite figured out what I want to do with with myself and <laughs> amiibos. Um, <laughs> There's there's something to to maybe just tell you a little bit about me. Ever since I was a little kid, I liked collecting shit. And so like Pokemon cards, that was big. Like that was that was big and important and I had a whole binder of the shit and um you know when I when I got to a certain age and wanted to like buy a video game, I think it was Chrono Cross. I very specifically remember selling the majority of my Pokemon cards to buy Chrono Cross. I am so sorry. Yeah, I don't know that it was my finest move, but <laughs> Uh, I like Chrono Cross a lot, so it's not it's not my deepest regret, but it's up there. Um, but I've always just been inclined to do that kind of shit, and I, I have a lot of accumulation of kind of garbage because of it, and I fully understand and acknowledge that it's probably not healthy and probably an issue, 
but at the same time, I'm definitely doing nothing to fix it. And in fact, uh, you know, now that I have like a grown up job and make grown up money, it's just it's just gotten worse, if anything. So, so your so your wife doesn't try to stop you. Um, she's she's like miffed by it, but at the same time, we're both pretty good at not telling the other what to do with their money. So. Uh, unless we were, unless I was like missing mortgage payments because of it or something like that. So skipping work to camp out for amiibos. Skipping work to camp out for amiibos. <laughs> I gotta get them. So, so <laughs> let's let's start by saying that from a games perspective, amiibos serve little to no purpose. Like they they're yeah, it's kind of neat the training mechanic in Smash Brothers, but if you don't have friends who also have amiibos, there's really nothing to do with them. Like you can't. Eventually, you, they'll get so strong that you can't fight them. And so the only real thing left to do is make your amiibo fight other amiibos. And that's fun if it's your friends, but it it just feels kind of sad when you're watching two toys that you bought yourself fight each other on your TV. There's something weird about it. Um, that's not sad. It is kind of sad. It's a little sad. So I, I don't have any plans to use them like that. I think I just wanted to, you know, it, there was a part of me that was like, I'll buy the characters, you know, that I that I want, and then maybe later on in life I'll get the full collection and have it and put it on a shelf somewhere and, and admire it every now and then. Um, but because of the shortages and because of, like, eBay scalpers, basically, um, it seems as though that's probably not feasible, right? Like, it, it sounds as though an amiibo like Marth, they're not making any more of them. The ones that are out there have already sold out, and so they're, you know... There's, there's a little bit of a problem there. So I went out over the weekend and I, I wound up picking up a little Mac because I saw one at Target just chilling out on the bottom of the shelf. And I haven't really decided what I'm going to do with it because I could wait and sell it or I guess I could open it up and it wouldn't do anything. <laughs> so You could go buy it a friend. It seems like I, I, I bought a, a little Mac and a Zelda. Now you can have three. As so I guess, yeah, maybe if I find a, a third one of note. Little Mac and Zelda can make babies. I mean, I, hot. Zelda Max. I don't know, guys. Help me with my crisis here. What do I do? <laughs> should Buy I? all of them. I you, don't you, think I should do Quit that. your job and only go do Amiibos full time. <laughs> I told you this already. You walk into this yourself. You got to figure it out yourself. I don't. I really don't know. It's, I th- like, it's I think, like a teenager that gets put in jail for the night. They call their dad all scared. And dad's like, you know what? You got yourself into it. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> You're going to have to figure it out, son. Um, I, I think I think that the stance that I'm in right now is I'm going to hold on to them. And if the prices get so high that I can't resist, then I'll sell them. Um, and if the market just pans back out and Nintendo starts, starts releasing like second editions or something, I think I'll probably just open them up and let them chill out on a shelf somewhere. Because I, I actually think... I, I mean, I definitely got Zelda and Link to keep, only I didn't get Zelda. I got another amiibo that I have no idea what I'm going to do with. I mean, I th- I think they're really cool. Like, the, the figures are pretty good quality, and it's not really the kind of thing that Nintendo ever does. So, um... You mean, it's not the kind of thing mean, Nintendo ever did. They have, Pokemon, you, they have the whole line of Pokemon ready to go now, and they're not... Yeah, amiibos. and, you know, they did the whole Pokemon card thing, so, you know... Well, I mean, Nintendo's only loosely connected to Pokemon cards. Um, I, I just, like I said, a, a physical toy like that is kind of a unique thing for them. And I've been a big, longtime fan of the company. We have a ton of Club Nintendo shit, and 
you know, other little figurines and that kind of nonsense. And so to have that in the collection is, it would be kind of neat, but it's also impractical and kind of a dumb thing to spend money on. So, but I mean, that's why, that's why I got Zelda and Link because I actually like the Legend of Zelda and, you know, that's, and that's kind of a set, right? Like, yeah. And I feel like the two of them comprise a complete collection in a sense. Yeah. And I would definitely put them on a shelf somewhere if I actually got Zelda, but I didn't actually get Zelda. Yeah. So Jared, go buy, go buy Link. We could, we could uh we could do a straight trade i'll give you my zelda for your wii fit trainer uh, i already i already fixed the uh zelda thing That'd but be... you can have wii fit trainer i probably <laughs> won't do anything with her would have been a bad deal for you anyway um yeah i don't know i i think it's one of those things where i i picked it up and i'm gonna sit on it and be like oh i'm gonna sell it and that'll be my intention and then i'll never do it I, even well, even when the price like... gets like super good i'll just forget about it and i i, I told you this already a, a friend got me uh the, uh the jangle figure from you know jangle and chain and you know those instantly went off the market because people were like oh this is offensive so it's like okay we'll take them off the market forever so you know the jangle figures they jumped up to like three thousand dollars for jangle and uh um and like a thousand or two thousand dollars for all the other ones so they were like a really high commodity so i could have sold mine but a i would have felt like an asshole because it was a gift and b i actually really like the movie so i don't mind having a little collector's thing from that film um you know plus if you're uh uh you know that's the industry you're in like i'm in the film industry and since everyone here is relatively a video games person it's nice to have that little bit of swag from the history of your industry I don't know. So, Whatever. and I, I want to clarify that, like, um, when I when I comment on on the mortality and the the final destination that we all face, I'm, I'm only I'm only being like partly kidding because there's this big part of me that is like, Jared, why are you buying all this shit? You're going to die, and none of it will have been worth anything. So. I still we'll bury you with all I, I, your I, I amiibos thought... so they can take them into the afterlife. I have to reconcile that pretty regularly. That like, you know, why do I have this giant fucking shelf of games? When you meet uh, your amiibo god. It's just something for my mom to throw into the trash after the horrible ATV accident. But, but you like it you like it now. You know, I mean there's always an there's always an argument for that, you know, too much materialism is a bad thing, but um within reason it's fine. It's like, you know, um I remember being a kid. And there are always two types of uh, directors, right? There's the director that kind of keeps all the shit from the film and they collect all the shit from other films and they make a nice little museum. And then there's like the boring film guy who's like, oh, look at how rich and clean and everything is. Don't touch the walls because you'll get handprints on them. Mm -hmm. So I always like going to the first guy's house, you know, because he had like the Captain Hook pinball machine or he had the Back to the Future DeLorean on like the actual uh, little recreation of um, what's the name of the town? And Back to the Future, but whatever. So, you know, you go there and it's fun and it's cool and it's like a nice little uh, setup if you kind of decorate it right. So, you know, there's no shame in it, I don't think. Let me... you're, both, you're both full of shit. The answer is, it's a pyramid. You need to make a huge pyramid and put everything that you accumulated on the inside and then make a doom maze to, to get to it. Actually, Lucio's kind of got the right. Like, I think I'm most geared towards having some kind of tomb with all my belongings in it. <laughs> Um, and I'd doom love pyramid. Some, you can't go wrong with a doom pyramid. Someday, like a thirteen-year-old will come raid it and be just like <laughs> so stoked. Um, After killed. he makes it through all of the traps, of course. See, so the, what you were saying, Jay, kind of got me thinking. Let me let me ask a question because uh, this is our last episode 
uh, before Christmas. So let's let's have a little. No, not our last. I want to find one. It is our last episode before Christmas. So let me ask. Let me ask you guys on a personal level. When you think back to Christmases of of the past, what stands out to you? Like if I just said like Christmas 1998, what stands out to you? What would you remember from that Christmas? Lucien Gears. See, but this is my point. You don't remember that like oh that's the time Gam Gam. Uh, you know, came out from from across the country. But that wasn't the time Gam Gam came out from across the country. When I was six year old, years old, my dad came out of prison, and it was his first Christmas home, and he was my Christmas present. And yet, and the I first that was thing you said is Zenith. You Gears. said 1998. <laughs> I thought we were narrowing it by year. 1998. I remember Zeno Gears. I just that's I just, what I fucking remember. You didn't say 1980. Whenever the fuck I was six years old. Well, I don't even. 88. Think, it was 1988. I don't, think, I don't even think Zeno Gears is 1998. I think Zeno Gears is like. Uh, when did Xenogears come out? Oh, all, all props to you. No, he's right. It's 1998. <laughs> yeah, so... You were a hip fucking kid. I don't even think I had Xenogears until like 2001. <laughs> um, but I, I guess that's my point. Is I, I was even just... Yeah, my wife pointed it out the other day when I was rambling about Amiibos. And she's like, you know, you're a very materialistic person. And you are materialist. See, that's what you've zeroed and in. You'll be me. dead. And she'd be but like, I if answered, you if you talked about a Christmas, you just talk about the present that you got for that Christmas. But I answered your question. You asked you asked what the Christmas was in 1998. You asked a very specific question. I gave that's a very true. specific answer. That's true. Okay. All right. What about everybody else? What do you think of when you think of Christmas? I, mean, I remember my sister got proposed to, and then I puked up a rodeo burger from Burger King. That's pretty like, good. I, like literally, like ten hey, seconds after she got proposed Christmas to. Carol. No, I. <laughs> that actually happened, and I didn't eat Burger King for a couple years. <laughs> okay, I can't beat that. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean. So we got Xenogears, Rodeo Burger. Still material, might well, I add. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my answer. It's my, it's my dad coming home, coming out of prison. That's my answer. That's heartwarming. What about you, Michael? What do you think of Christmas? Christmas 2008, I was living in Japan. I didn't get the day off. I came home and it was so cold in my apartment that I could see my breath. And then I ate uh, half of a frozen pizza. Oh, while it was still frozen, or <laughs> while it was it still frozen at the time, or did you? Thaw no, it out I baked it in my sad little toaster oven. This is like God damn it. Did, right. did you that story would turn into you eating your neighbor. See, my Lucio, you have kids. Please tell me you have a good story. I, I mean, I have tons of stories. One of um, one of the Christmases where we drove down to the Keys and we purchased uh, uh, like $150 worth of uh, fireworks. And we basically put them by show for the whole block. That was fun. When I was a kid, I got a Red Ranger Megazord. And <laughs> Jared, you're no, not allowed to participate. It was like it was like a tough-to-find toy that year. Jared, and Jared you're not was... allowed to participate. So you, 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 we have opposite um, experiences, Jared, because... The fam- my family in Latin America is, is not rich at all. So I, I never got good toys from them. So it was all about, you know, going there. And we used to, um, in in the place where my dad lived, they used to sell these, uh, like, they were almost like air balloons. It was the same principle. So it was like a, a huge, like, paper structure that you set on fire and then you throw in. And we'll try to like make one go up, and it will always catch on fire and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, we will try to blow ourselves off with fireworks, so that kind of thing. That's what I remember. So you made real memories. La- 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 last, <laughs> first, last Christmas, I was. It's uh, also summer there, 
So we were all doing this in our underwear because it was like uh, 100 degrees and humid. And so everyone was in their boxers still in this. Everybody was in their boxers. Still. So I was, um, last Christmas I was in the hospital, which is like to be in the hospital during Christmas. And this kind of, this kind of started a little bit of a gift giving Cold War. But, um, what? This girl, this girl, this girl, my uh, lead actress for my film. She took a three-hour train ride from Philly. Her family's in Philly, so she'll fly back from L.A. and she'll stay with them in Philly for the Christmas break. And then she took a three-hour train ride just to bring me a uh, Philly cheesesteak, you know. And she sat there and we hung out and we ate the cheesesteak and we just talked. And I think despite being in the hospital, that was actually one of my favorite Christmases. And on the same day, my, uh, you know, my professor, my mentor from film school, he came and visited me as well. And, you know, the two of them met. So it was a really nice... Little heartwarming time. Yeah, I just keep, I just keep going back to that Megazord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind because I never had a Christmas with snow. You never had a Christmas what? With snow. Oh well, yeah, I guess you wouldn't because you're in Florida now, huh? Yeah, and I lived in the Southern Hemisphere, so that was summer. Huh. Well, there you go. I can the tell first you, one sure is great. It's it's uh yeah it's 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 fun for like the morning when you wake up and you look outside you're like oh how special and then you know by midday you're, you're kind of ready for it to be gone now well, don't get me wrong I, I've lived with snow before and I've seen snow so I'm not like in a hurry to experience it but <laughs> it just seems to be such an iconic image anyway Christmas guys what a special thing so uh, okay, you don't have a single Christmas with your wife that you enjoy <laughs> I mean the big things the big things that have happened in This it. is the last part marriage. The big things that have happened in my life or, or, or in my marriage or in anything, they don't happen at Christmas because my wife's the kind of person where if I had proposed to her on Christmas Day, she would have just thought that was the tackiest thing in the whole entire world. Like that's it's... In the future my favorite Christmas memory be will be when I finally get the courage to divorce her. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding honey you know i think actually if, if we're if we're being sincere the 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 thing that i the thing that i like think about when i think of, of a christmas memory like mine were always really positive because i was you know i was fortunate and well cared for and my parents you know were, were always really um you know good at getting us what we wanted and, and unfortunately making it a kind of about material and I guess the thing that I look forward to is maybe having my own child that I can create a similar memory for and make him a, I guess I guess make him a spoiled little shit too um, you know but it, it wasn't it wasn't lost on me when something that was hard to come by uh, you know found its way to me on Christmas especially because back then when there was like a rare toy it's not like today where you just go on Craigslist and find somebody scalping it nearby or you order it online and, and you had a pre-order and, and so it wasn't an issue anyway it wasn't like that like back then it was like you had to put in a lot of fucking effort to go find a, a Tickle Me Elmo or whatever the fuck and so, you know, even as a kid, like, that that effort's not wasted on me, and I, I hope that someday I can be, like, half as good to my kids as my parents were to me, um, because they, they did a lot of that kind of shit for me. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I guess so that would be... What you're telling me is that you never put uh, lay down on the, below the tree wearing nothing but a ball until your wife woke up to tell her that you were her Christmas present. No. <laughs> I think we should do that. <laughs> I guess there's this year. 
So, wait, Lucio, does that mean you have? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> oh, man. Well, with that voice, I, I think you could sell it. There you go. All right, well, this is weird. <laughs> hey, would you find so you can say, here's your stocking Should we talk about video games? This is the strangest podcast. <laughs> I think we... Who would have... Oh, so let's not talk about it because I, 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 a couple podcasts back, brought up uh, Dead or Alive, and you got really embarrassed and red-faced over it. And I told you that I would pick up the December issue of Playboy and that I would review it. So and, I did that. So are you ready to review the December? I'm, I'm ready to review the uh, December issue of Playboy. Well, then I guess let's let's start our new segment. Uh, Jay Hefner presents uh, <laughs> Playboy, an introspective. So this Playboy features a model by the name of Elizabeth Ostrander. And she is a very ginger, I want to say. She's got like this interesting strawberry blonde hair color, some kind of greenish bluish eyes i want to say and lot of, lots and lots of freckles however i noticed in her shoot you know they staged this kind of um snowy arctic setting for her which you can say is uh, ripping off the kate upton shoot a little bit but it's a nice little setup she's not actually in the arctic either it's it's all staged uh but it, she's wearing it sounds very tasteful it's very, you know, it's, it's, she's got some, she's got some interesting outfits for something they're just going to take off. So she's got like this fur coat and some kind of James Bond looking leather white top and um, another classy white dress kind of number. So it's all very, uh, it's very interesting. And you know, you have you have something like that. You have like you have like uh, uh, red hair and green eyes, and you just oppose it, you know, against snow and all that kind of stuff. It's going to bring out the colors a little bit. So it's it's a nice little setup. Uh, my only problem with it is they airbrush her a lot, and you typically expect that of uh, a Playboy. But when you airbrush someone with with freckles, a lot of the charm of those freckles are lost, and she was like absolutely covered in freckles from head to toe. So you know, I didn't like that part so much that she was so airbrushed and uh, and Barbie dollish, and just really losing the distinction of the freckles that she had in issue. So overall, I would give it maybe a four out of five. I couldn't appreciate the model in her full glory, despite the fact she was spread eagle. But they did a good enough job, you know. Uh, did uh, the I'm, carpet match the drapes? Yes, the carpet matched the drapes. Now, what she's about very, she's very much ginger head to toe? What about the text Don't they accompaniment? Have bare floors these days. What's that? Don't they have bare floors these days? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty bare. So, oh, I was thinking like a bearskin rug. Was she on linoleum? <laughs> was it linoleum? It's like a no. Was it's it? like a pole. It's like a pole outside on a. Oh, you're not. You're still talking about her. You're still talking about her vagina. <laughs> I... Sure. Well, what have we been talking about for the past forty-five minutes? So the the text the text actual of flooring. the the actual article that accompanies her photo spread. Uh... I can tell you. I can still tell you the carpet matches the traits because you know her eyebrows are the same color as her hair. And for any guy that doesn't figure that out by this age, they're a lost cause. Well, well, some people might only dye their pubes. That that's true. Just like to, me, like Doug. <laughs> they are fire red. Just, <laughs> just like the hatred guy. <laughs> Last so, thing you'll see before I kill you is my fiery red. So, pubes. so, like so let me uh, let me let, me let me read you a joke from the Playboy. Okay, joke. okay I'm ready. Okay, why does Washington D.C. not have a nativity scene? Okay. Uh, because... Separation I, of church and state? I don't know. 
Because they can't find three wise men. Oh, oh hey-o. So I'll let me tell that one to my grandfather. the articles that you bought this magazine for. Uh, the Do- they have an article on the Dodge Hellcat. Okay. All right. Manly. Um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So they talk about rum for a little bit. They advertise this rum named Blackheart. Blackheart? Okay. That sounds like a nice dark rum. Is that it? Is that the magazine? Okay, then. Thank you. Jay? Did we lose you? I said they have a... Sorry, I got cut up a little bit. They have a... They have a <laughs> he gazed into the Playboy and lost <laughs> his train of thought. I speechless. Yeah. They have a they have a they have a Benjamin Booker, a Benjamin Booker, the New Orleans guitarist who fuses punk and blues. Uh, nice, nice looking African American gentleman there. Nice smile. Yeah. You know, I think huh. in yeah. the idea of fairness that we need to review a Play Girl magazine, and I think Jared should have to do that. Uh, do they even make those anymore? Um, I'm sure they do. Here, let's see. Play Girl. I'm sure it's real. Oh yeah, it's very real. Wow, <laughs> and you can you can rate it how many rock hard cocks you want to. Okay. Actually, the the photo on the Playgirl website is kind of amazing. It's this dude. He's uh he's you know well well toned in a muscular sense. Uh, he's wearing a flannel red plaid shirt that is just open, with his uh, pants unbuttoned, his jeans unbuttoned. But what I'm particularly tickled by is he has a giant fucking automatic rifle slung over his shoulder. Yeah, because why wouldn't Oh, my. Because when I think of what gets the ladies wet, it's... And he has a giant automatic uh, rifle slung in between his legs, too. <laughs> is it the big guy who hate for it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, this uh, is... God. Boy, this is a very... Uh, like I said, this is a weird podcast. Well, then let's talk about the games we reviewed this week. Yeah, let's do. Okay, um, so let's start with Hatsune Miku. <laughs> it's just keeps getting better and better. You're yeah. welcome, Jared. It's your Christmas gift. This is it's it's quite a gift. <laughs> All right, so I played I played Project Diva, which I wasn't supposed to play, but I chose to do it anyway. And so um, so why? I I actually was not 100 percent clear on what I was getting into. I I literally bought this game blind. But I've kind of known about Hatsune Miku for, you know, it's, it's, we got a little into a little bit of fight earlier today because I really think the question is who has not heard of Hatsune Miku? Um, I mean, we could take a poll here. Who, who knew about Hatsune Miku? I did. Before the uh, chat conversation, I had no fucking clue who it was. What about you, Michael? Well, I guess oh, you Michael lived did. in Japan. Yep, and I stayed way away from that shit. But what about before you lived in Japan? But, but did you, you, know? you knew about it, though, right? Nope, no clue. So you well, got you got there, you went, got off you, the boat, and you're like, Listen, what the I, fuck? I know there is a section of Jared. every big town in Japan where Hold that on. shit goes down, and Michael. I stay the hell away from it. Michael, what year did you go to Japan? 2008. Okay, so she was just blowing up. She wasn't quite a thing yet. But, I, I mean, she's 2011. like... What's that? I was there until 2011. Oh, okay, so you really stayed away then, because, you know, right now, she's, right uh, she's opening for... She's open for Lady Gaga. She's going to be on Pharrell... Pharrell's next to uh, CD, so um, there's that. This fucking she planet. was on. She Who isn't in Pharrell's CD? I'm in Pharrell's next CD. You are in Pharrell's <laughs> CD. Everybody's in Pharrell's next CD. Yeah, that's true. 
she was on David Letterman, though. Not everyone's uh, everyone is on David Letterman these days. Anyway, yes, sir. Uh, so it, it, so anyway, my my point is, I you know this was since she's having this like, huge crossover. And I I know now she's having this huge crossover in America. She's always been kind of a big thing in uh, Japan. But I see her first game. I really have no idea what to expect. Um, and I think, you know, I think I bought the game before Lucio talked about being able to get it on PSN. And he said the name was Project Diva, and I totally just forgot the name. I thought it was in reference to this other shit Japan has going on, Idol Master, which is um, another thing, I guess, for you raise pop stars and all that shit. So, so I literally had no idea what it was. I pick it up, and it turns out it's a rhythm game, which I don't hate those, but they're not my go-to title. I was, like, big into rock band, and I was big into Guitar Hero, just like everyone else in the United States. But other than that, I kind of avoided them. I guess I guess I had Pop Rock when I was a kid, um, but I was never, like, a Beat Mania guy. I was never a Fez guy. Uh, not Fez. Uh, Rez. Rez is what I'm thinking. I was never a Rez guy. I was never into all that other shit, so... What about Samba de Amigo? Uh, Samba de Amigo I definitely knew about and I probably should have gotten it because there was nothing else to play for Dreamcast but I never touched it. Okay, I need to deviate for a second. Lucio, have you played Samba de Amigo? <laughs> Is it authentic? Wait, you, I you, you, you I played it. You have or have not? Have not. Okay. I'm just making sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I guess we should explain what a Hasunke Amigo is. Right. Uh, well, so first of all, you refer to it as a her a lot. I do, and I always feel awkward. Like if I, when I actually think about it, I feel awkward about it. I I, I will say she, and I will say her. But um, if, if I'm consciously, you know, if I catch myself, I'll think. Well, isn't the proper term more an it? But you know what? I think this is an old old debate. It's like you know when people get computers or when they call when they get a car or something, they refer you know they give it a gender. They assign it a gender. It's like and and typically if you're a guy, um, and not to be a heteronormative asshole here, but if you're a guy, don't use a word again. Yeah, well, we did review a fucking Playboy in this episode, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I so anyway, um, um, God, where was I? Like cars, so so the guy talks about his car, and the guy will refer to the car as a her, right? It'll refer to the car as a she, uh, like like here she is, here's my baby, all that kind of stuff. So I I I think it's it's natural for human beings to characterize machines with gender. I think it's just something we kind of do, and I think Hasuni Miku makes it easy because essentially it's a program, right? It's just a software program. Uh, it, it, it has it has no actual gender. It's it's just completely code, and and you take the voice sampling, but because it's a woman's voice that backs the Hasune Miku Vocaloid in particular, that particular program, and because it has a mascot design for it, and because it's kind of advertised as this character that we recognize as female, it's just easy for the brain to default to calling it a woman. But you were completely right, Jared, because there's really no reason to refer to it as a she. <laughs> it's not. It has no gender. It's a software program. Um, so but, what? So what does it want you to do in its hot new game? So so it wants you to basically just uh, select a song, pick the song, and uh, play it, and, and just try and get the button sequences and and figure out the rhythm. And I notice, you know, I, all, all rhythm games are kind of like this to me, where the rhythm is a little off, just for the sake of confusing the player, and where it will choose. A certain portion of that, so you're not always following the beat, right? Because if you could just follow the beat, it would be really easy to clear it. 
So sometimes it'll be following the beat, sometimes it'll be following the uh, singing, sometimes it'll be following a different instrument, and you just kind of have to be on your toes and really figure out which one it is, which makes the button presses easier. Each button press is timed, so you can see like a little ticking clock on it, and as long as you get that arrow when it's in the 12 o'clock position, you're going to nail the note 100%, but there's a bunch of other shit to kind of play around with in this program. You have a little bonding thing you can do with the vocaloids and and you know for anyone that doesn't know uh, I, I i said it a little but a vocaloid is just basically a software program that synthesizes the human voice so now now you can synthesize keyboards and guitars and drums and all this other shit and now you can uh, synthesize the human voice and it still doesn't sound right it's still got this like digital warble that's kind of chipmunky sound to it um you know, you can synthesize doors opening if you want it, and you can synthesize dogs barking, whoever the fuck is moving around back there. So, uh, the Folkloid is a voice synthesis program. Uh, you can now, what Krypton Future Media does is they create a different mascot for each Folkloid they design, and they've been doing this before they even had Hatsune Miku. Like, they had two English Folkloids that were, I think, owned by another a group called Power something or the other, and I, their name were like Sweet Anne and Big Al. And before they decided everything was this this uh, a Japanese cartoon, Sweet Anne looked like one of these 50s lounge singers, um, you know, and Big Al was based on Elvis Presley or something. So they've always had a mascot with them. And Hatsune Miku is the most popular mascot. She's the one that popularized the Vocaloids, even though she, be, she came much later. Um, so there are six of these Vocaloids in-game. And... As you progress through the songs, different vocaloids will show up in different parts, um, but you can bond with them. You can go to their little apartments in-game, and you can switch around their apartments, and you can pet them. You can only pet their heads. You can pet them. <laughs> you can pet them. And, uh, you know, if you pet them enough, they will like you more and more. Uh, they'll say shit like, do you want to be together forever? <laughs> they should like. Do you want to play a game so you can play patty cake with them? Jeez, um, this is really weird. <laughs> it's really it gets it gets pretty weird. I think I think what convinced me this game though was a four out of five, as opposed to a three out of five because before it was just going to get an average score. But what really convinced me was the fact you can have an AR concert with the Vocaloids, um, and so basically, you know, I I guess I guess. I guess the 3DS and I guess the Vita try and use the AR technology, but it never, you know, it always feels like a gimmick. It never feels like something you have to use, right? And it's still kind of a gimmick in Project Diva, but I think it's a more effective gimmick just because the way in which it just opposes uh, Miku or the other Vocaloids against the real world is very similar to uh, Miku's, like, real-world concerts that it has, um, you know, because they use this, this, this technology. It's not a hologram. But they use this technology that makes it appear as if she's in this 3D space and actually performing for the audience um, when it's really just kind of a trick of, uh, of different visuals coming together. And they really do the same thing with the AR technology. So I could, I could take it and have a Miku concert in my living room. Or if it snows, I can go outside and uh, there we go, a Miku concert in the, in the snow. And I thought that was a really kind of clever use of the AR uh, technology. And there's just a ton of different goodies to unlock, like different uh, clothing options and... And the, just the challenge of itself is a very challenging rhythm game. It's not a pick-up-and-play kind of like a Guitar Hero was. You could just kind of have to really be into it 
off the bat. Yeah, I saw some of the videos that you linked, and that shit looks intense. Yeah, it's it's definitely doesn't fuck around. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I I don't know. That's uh, kind of the Hatsune Miku experience. I actually ended up genuinely liking a few of the videos. I didn't think I would like them that much, and I think you know her voice. There's always going to be something inhuman about it. But after you've played it for a while, you just kind of get used to it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. Really, it's it's like it's like it's like synthesized music. It's like in the '80s and the '90s, people were like, "Oh, this isn't real music. I hate this shit." But now we have it everywhere, and no one cares anymore. There was the one song that you linked where they were speaking inhumanly fast, and so that no MC could have like duplicated that, but that just they keep doing it, oh, you know, without stopping and no breathing breaks. It's it's like yeah. an, it's like an audio uncanny valley, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that, I think. Well, I remember the first thing I told Jay when he linked that was like, that's no way, like, you can tell this is definitely something that a human couldn't be able to do. Yeah, that was definitely a song. There, there are a couple of songs in there that they can only pull off because it's a machine. Hmm. Well, there you go. I, there you go. I don't really have any questions about <laughs> it. <laughs> you sound pretty confused why you can pet them. <laughs> I don't know why you can pet them or why they would imply that you would be together forever. <laughs> um, because as we all know, forever isn't really a thing because you're going to it's die. A, well, it's a thing for Vocaloids. Vocaloids can live forever. I yeah. guess that's true. So are you going to become a Vocaloid after you beat the game? Um, I, you know what? I will approach Krypton Media. I'll be like, can I record my voice for the Vocaloid? You have no black Vocaloids. I think that's racist. I think you'd start a class action suit because Hatsune Miku said that you and she could be together forever. And it turns that's out right. that that's in fact not true. Everybody who bought that game should become a Vocaloid. Yeah. Didn't they just like bury you with a server? <laughs> <laughs> just burn her to a disc. Burn her to a disc. Yeah. When, you, when you do your Doom Pyramid, you should ask for a Vocaloid to be very with you. Uh, the thing about Hatsune Miku is she can't say no. She has to honor any request. Uh, <laughs> don't get into Fucking that. country. Don't, Jesus don't Christ. <laughs> oh, wow. She'll do my laundry and stuff? Because that'd be nice. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she can't say no. So How do they yeah. even have, like, electricity? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. You were there. <laughs> all right so my i don't know my 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 week was very rise of the machine because at the same time i was playing project diva i had to finish playing the crew which i talked a bit about already but jesus christ it was fucking oh, it was the worst game i played this year it was worse than watchdogs so we we spent some time on it last week um and I, so i don't want to tread too much on familiar territory but I guess maybe what's your what's your final thought on the crew? What's the moral of the story now the moral that this whole of the story is behind is, us? The, the moral of the story is Ubisoft needs to focus on making actually good games for change instead of making hype machines. Oh hey, is, uh, I I hate to derail, but I have to comment. Um, nobody even so much as as uh, said a word about the fact that my Assassin's Creed Unity patch that launched today is forty fucking gigabytes. <laughs> Nobody even acknowledged how hard I, my life I, is. I, so this is, this is what happened. I said that, I said, Jesus Christ, I can't believe the Assassin's Creed Unity patch is 7 gigs. And then Jared corrected me with, it's 7 gigs if you've downloaded every patch up to date. If you have not, then the total patch download is 40 gigs. So to put this into perspective, I have 140 gigs left on my Xbox total. <laughs> <laughs> So just to patch Unity to make it playable is going to eat up 
you know what what is that like a third yeah you poor optimistic soul you don't know if it's playable yet (laughs) yeah Are are you just downloading a different better game I mean, that's almost what it would seem like, right? I own seven Xbox One games. Seven. And I am almost out of space. Wow. I am at, I am at more than 70% full. So the, the rumor is that this patch just completely redoes Paris. That's that's the rumor. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure all they've done is they've gone back and just taken out NPCs and kind of scaled the crowds down and uh, just that kind of stuff. I, I don't think that... I'm actually genuinely curious to see it because most of Unity, I feel like, is not fixable. Um, so I'll be interested to see whether or not I'm wrong. But it certainly was interesting seeing all your videos of the crew because that looks like almost an equally big mess. It you, oh my You've God, been the, able the, to capture an astounding number of bugs in that game. Yeah, so I, I, I wanted, I'll talk about a few of my favorite bugs. So there's the... There's the there's the videos I posted. I'm actually going to hold back on posting the rest of the videos because I think they just need to be a compilation at this point. I didn't know I would run into so many bugs. There's a couple of uh, objects that, depending on how you drive into them or depending on how you fast travel, you will basically teleport into that object and the object will then, uh, uh, you know, it won't have any mass. It just won't be solid. You can drive right through it. There's uh, one where I'm driving along a bridge and clearly they kind of... Uh, it kind of created the bridge, right? But I think the outside of the bridge, the walkway is just for show because in my video, I drive on the walkway to the bridge and then I fall through into the water and I was able to repeat that glitch 100% of the time. So they went, oh, no one's ever going to drive on the walkway so we don't have to, you know, put anything there. So there's um, a couple like that. There's a light that I was able to drive through. I've had some great cutscenes where my car will drive upside down, complete with sparks coming off the roof. Yeah, uh, I saw that. <laughs> so, that was great. Yeah, and and cars like to float a lot in multiplayer. Like you run into another driver, and you'll see them kind of just floating in the air and upside down, and all this kind of poltergeist type shit going on with the vehicle. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely not a polished game, and. Uh, this, this this huge this huge superior map of the United States that everyone's really fucking impressed by is just it's really big, but there's nothing interesting in it. You know, it's just it's just the same shit, copy and pasted over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, so I know you mentioned to... driving to Salt Lake City a lot, which I wouldn't recommend. Well, I, what I what I did as a little experiment is I drove to the city that I knew all the enemy slime editors kind of lived in and I took screenshots of them and I, I posted them up so that people could compare it to um, the actual experience because I think if you're trying to capture the United States that's important. So for me, uh, New York City, like Manhattan, they got a few locations pretty right. Like if you weren't looking to break the game like I was, uh, then it looks like a reasonable facsimile of Manhattan. But once you get to the outer boroughs and once you get like upstate, it really starts to fall apart. Like you go to Long Island and Long Island is just the same copy and pasted farmland that's in the rest of the game, and the real Long Island looks nothing like that. Um, I think I showed Lucio either the Keys or the Florida Everglades, and those are kind of a joke. But they got Miami right. Um, and what was your comment on, on Salt Lake City? Um, they did a better job than The Last of Us. <laughs> I guess right. there's that. Um, it they they got a few like key buildings. So like we have this really big Wells Fargo building that has a very distinctive shape to it, and they they got that, and like they got our Capitol building just fine. Um, I was really surprised that the Mormon Temple wasn't 
accurately portrayed in any way, or even it didn't seem like portrayed at all. Maybe you're not supposed to portray it. I don't. I don't know. They 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 did this weird thing where they would have uh, really distinctive landmarks, but they wouldn't have any of the actual signatures of that landmark or the names of the landmarks. Like they have the Pentagon. And they just copy and pasted the same statue of the same generic soldier in front of it a ton of times. And they had, uh, they had, um, I, know, I, I saw, Stadium. I saw they had the, there's this, there's this like metalworks thing that goes over the street and it has a skier on it. I think they built it around the time the Olympics were here. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a thing, but like none of nothing that's surrounding it is correct. Like the giant hill that is right in front of it isn't there, any of that. So I don't, yeah, they, I don't know. They, and they, I don't, they, I don't expect like an exact recreation or anything, but a lot of what you showed me was like really podunk. And I'm not saying I live in this big sprawling <laughs> metropolis, but like, I, I also, I don't go buy my groceries at like Joe's feed and, and, and seed <laughs> store. <laughs> So my favorite, my favorite part of Florida was that uh, in order to get to the keys, you need to go through a series of ramps and jumps. Yeah, which is yeah, really exactly the same as going to the keys in real life. Of course. Uh, so, and I think that's the other thing that really confused me because you would think if they're like focused on all these landmarks, uh, they would have like the Seven Mile Bridge, right? But that, that was sense, yes. and that that was omitted, and instead you just have this series of ramps that you gotta like the keys are some secret location in the United States <laughs> that you have to uncover. Um, only people who can really drive hardcore cars. <laughs> right. Only the people who can afford the America DLC go to the keys. Yeah, so it was it was I don't know it was it was weird like uh, like. Like like Columbia University, um, I went to school. It was only uh, it was only a, a whole block in the uh, you know in the crew, and the block they got was really good, but nothing else just looked at all like Morningside Heights or Harlem and all that. And I would much rather like a smaller map that just generally looks better. Like GTA Four gives you a much smaller map of New York, but it feels so much more like New York City than the crew does. Um, and I, I think I would much I, I'm rather kind of with you like in the sense of I, I think it would be really sweet if they had just like picked a city and then did an exact one to one recreation of it and yeah. uh, you know just, just like Seattle that, that'd be a fun city to drive around on right there's a bunch of hills to jump off of and all kinds of crazy shit and so yeah, exactly. just, just take Seattle and do an exact one to one like recreation to the best of your ability I think that would be way more neat than being able to drive to like these different parts of the United States that are almost indistinguishable from each other. And then, and then I think there's like, I, th- I think that's the other thing that really kind of uh, confused me is there are certain cities where it just feels like they didn't even try. Uh, Las Vegas and Seattle were two of those cities and those cities are, you know, those cities are pretty significant, especially Las Vegas. Um, They're go pretty to Las Vegas. Too. Yeah. I mean, Las, you know, Las Vegas is home to some of the best racing games. Like some of the best racing. Yeah. So you go like 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 Southern Las Vegas. They get they get kind of the big casinos, right? They get the MGM and uh, they get the Luxor and all this kind of stuff. They have those recre- recreations. Um, but then you go to Northern Las Vegas and you go to the outskirts and all that shit and just go completely off. It's ridiculous. It's like you know why why did you even bother with that? I um, said so yeah, it was it was weird. The it was ah god, it was weird. I. I just I just don't know how people are praising the map because the map is basically as lazy as everything else in the game. They just did this really big map so they could say they could have it and make that the selling point. But it's not good. 
So how does it how does it handle driving from like city to city? I, I was never really clear on that. Do you just kind of like teleport around this map or in in all fairness it's seamless, but it's uh I don't know if anyone's ever played Tony Hawk American Wasteland. I don't think so. In in, in Tony Hawk American Wasteland they had a very similar presence premise. It's like, you know, listen, we've got all of Los Angeles and Los Angeles is seamless. Only it wasn't really seamless because there were these long loading corridors. And you could always tell the game was loading because it would slow down a little bit. And that's what the crew feels like. It feels like, yeah, it's seamless, but everything's just a very long loading uh, corridor. And you could definitely start to feel the corridors after a while because, uh, you know, you just drive on really long roads. The roads barely get any more interesting than, oh, here's a dirt road and then here's the highway. And that's basically all we have. There are no turns or no corners unless it's a specific kind of racing track. Um, you know, it's just kind of like just straight through from point A to point B. And it's actually so badly done that once you start to drive off-road, you hit all the real big glitches. And there's like a very high chance that you could be driving on a tiny little hill with your car. And then your car will blow up and hit the crash animation because you're not supposed to be driving there. Um you know, I would I would drive I would try and drive across the board. I would try and drive uh, to Canada or Mexico just to see what would happen. And you just kind of teleport back. Well, I can't let you leave the country, Jaldix, and you're back on the road. So you you start to feel the corridors after a while. Um, like the longer you play, the more the cracks show in this game. Um, so it is seamless. Yeah, you can drive from New York to Los Angeles, but it's really fucking boring to do so. I don't you know I don't see the point. After a while, it's just fast traveling from one place to the other. And there you go, the crew. Game of the Game year. year. Game of the year. <laughs> I, I, so the last thing I want to say is that the uh, different specs you can get for your car, um, because there are six different specs. There's um, and there's like full stock street off road performance, all this other shit. Each time you get a new spec, there are two things about the specs. The first thing is the spec doesn't so much feel like you're getting like it, like it's. I guess the closest comparison is like a different class in uh in like an RPG, right? So here you have the warrior and here you have the rogue. So it feels like, um, you know, instead of feeling a different spec, it just feels like you're getting a better version of the last spec you had. So dirt handles a little better than street and it's a little faster than street. And performance handles a little better than dirt, you know. So it's like, it's instead of playing an RPG and going, oh, here's your warrior and here's your rogue, you're going, oh, here's your warrior and now here's a better warrior. Um... And then each new spec you get, your car increasingly looks like the car from Mad Max. It stops looking like a real street car after a certain point, and you look like you're you're driving this dystopian tank. So I wanna I wanna go ahead and um, move on just because we're we're past the hour mark, and I'm probably gonna have to cut out some some of the weirder shit in here. But no, you keep the weirder shit. You cut out the crew. Yeah, yeah we'll keep the weirder shit. Um, so, Lucio, do you want to talk about Persona? Not right now, but like, do you want to talk about Persona on this podcast? Sure. Okay, let me do a slight update on just some of my stuff, because I've been playing some things, and there was something that I wanted kind of opinion on, I guess. Um, so maybe just to give you guys some little updates, I finished Call of Duty, uh, Advanced Warfare, finally, um, and I just wanted to mention that we had talked about the game before, and I mentioned uh, Will Irons, who blows up fairly early on. Yep. And Lucio, oh no way! Lucio had brought up the in the story he's definitely going to be coming back either as maybe an antagonist <laughs> or a protagonist, 
And at first I was like, no, there's no way. And then, <laughs> and then slowly I kind of started to buy into it. It just made so much sense and seemed so perfect. So I just wanted to comment that I finished the game there. He never appears again. Okay. So just a little surprise. This will be in the second one. I actually, I, in all sincerity, I think that might be what they're setting up because they're very clear at the end of the game that there is going to be another one. But this is how all of the fucking Call of Duty games end. It's like, no, the real battle begins. (laughs) Does a senior Spacey die? I, should we just ruin it? Do you want me to just ruin it? I'm not. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No one's gonna. So, care. so um, Kevin Spacey. It turns out he's bad. He here, here's really? here's Call of Duty. Oh no way! Here's You're Call kidding. of Duty. Are you guys ready? Speed plot. Okay. You're in the army. You meet Will Irons. Will Irons is his dad runs PMC. It's Kevin Spacey. He didn't want to work for his dad because he wanted to do real good by serving his country. God bless America. So, uh. <laughs> Will Irons dies, proving Kevin Spacey's point that the military's ineffective. Your arm gets blown off. You join Kevin Spacey. He gives you a new arm made of robot. And you go and you do... A Vocaloid arm? You go and do like two missions for Kevin Spacey in what we'll call like the golden years. And then some nukes go off and really fuck the world up. And it turns out that Kevin Spacey is behind this and is, is there like taking over the world. So now he's a dictator, right? Um, and he develops this bioweapon that kills anybody who doesn't have uh, like the nanotechnology built into them that his soldiers do. It's not, oh, it's so not, it's like it's not nanotechnology, ASX. but yeah, he, he basically... Human revolution. He, he codes his, his uh, soldiers and creates a weapon that would kill anybody except for them. Um, Why? And, and that's bad. You get recruited by your old army sergeant or whatever, and you go back and fight Kevin Spacey. You sabotage his weapons. You blow up his headquarters. And at the very end, you drop Kevin Spacey into fire. Um, and then the real battle begins. He's hanging. He's hanging off a cliff. You're, you're chasing him while the building is exploding, and he falls over this this cliff. And he grabs onto your arm, which just happens to be the prosthetic arm that he gave you. And in an act of symbolism, you use a knife <laughs> to cut off your own arm to drop Kevin Spacey. Um, and then why did you why did you have to use a knife to drop your own arm? Why can't you just attach it? I think it's like a really good like prosthetic. I think it I think it doesn't come off. Um, but then your comrade comes and picks you up and helps like carry you out of the building, and you remark to yourself that the battle is just beginning. I feel like the last scene of the thing should have been that you are Kevin Spacey. See, that would have been a huge twist. <laughs> we are the Kevin Spacey. So you anyway. look in the mirror and you're Kevin Spacey. That's how... You're like, did, did everything I do, is that real or was it fake? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Get ready for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare 2. Advanced warfare. Um, I was okay. So, Jack, tell me, tell me now, what's your vote when we start doing our enemy slime multiplayer videos? Is it going to be Far Cry Four, Advanced Warfare, or the Crew? There's literally no reason to play Advanced Warfare with each other. Um, so, I mean, by definition, it would just have to be Far Cry Four, probably, because it's the most competent of the three. I think. Um, Advanced Warfare is. I don't think it's very interesting to watch. Like Far Cry 4 has these weird scenarios that can play out. And so there can be some humor to be found in it and some, something to enjoy in it. Advanced Warfare, there's not really a, an interesting it's, scenario. It's not there's, interesting. Not, there's not like, it's oh, not a, tiger, a tiger ran in here and messed things up. And isn't that funny? It's not like that. It's just like, oh, I shot that guy. And uh, so it's not it's not going to be interesting to watch a 14 year old saying he's going to fuck your mother. I guess that could be interesting. 
anyway, um, we'll 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 see. But Advanced Warfare, if you're thinking about picking it up, I I'd, I'd say don't. It's well, not. that's my that's the answer to my question then, because that's what I was really asking. Yeah, I was thinking about picking it up. I I was oh, and definitely definitely don't buy the crew either. No one no one buy that game. That's, I was I, I was leaning towards a four as I reviewed as I played the game because I liked a lot of the action set pieces and stuff. But by the time I got to the end, I I really just had this kind of jaded feeling of like yeah they changed but they didn't really change that much. And especially when they do the little the little uh, sequel hat tip that just let out like a huge Wait, so groan, hold on i'm not cuz now i'm confused is it just because you're tired of call of duty cuz i haven't played a call of duty in a long while yeah so i mean i guess if you're if you're uh, been away for a while this is probably one of the least bad times to jump back into it like the the last time the last time i played one i think was uh, black ops 2 and the last time i owned one was modern warfare 1 well black ops 2 is only two games ago so um okay so so too recent so, I mean, yeah, if you had said, like, Modern Warfare 2 was the last one you played, I might say that maybe it's time for Advanced Warfare, but you'd be surprised how little has changed. Honestly, if you're looking for, like, the multiplayer shooter stuff, I would still say Titanfall is the better game. Um, Titan- what if you've always wanted to kill Kevin Spacey? Is it the game for you? <laughs> well, then, yeah, actually, then it might be perfect. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like I got a lot of things before you get to kill Kevin Spacey. I want to also remark that I, uh, after finishing it, I went ahead and loaded Sunset Overdrive back in my Xbox, and I'll just comment really quickly. I really like that game. Um, being away from it for a while and playing a Call of Duty game and then coming back to it really kind of made me appreciate it even more. Yeah, Sunset Overdrive looks more, more I, speed. I but, think uh, it might be able to work its way into my game of the year list, maybe. Oh, that's, that's, that's a nice surprise. It's really quite nice. Oh, by the way, I think for our game of the year, I, I pitched something for game of the year, and I think I want to do hipster of the year. And um, for my list, I originally picked uh, pitched uh, Alex from the crew, AJ Galley from um, you know Far Cry Four, the new kid from South Park, and uh, oh man, who are my last two? Delson Rowe. Yeah, Delson Rowe was my because that because you think he's a hipster, I don't, but we can have him on the list. Um, and then the last one was the Sunset Overdrive protagonist, but I think I want to change from Sunset Overdrive to Dante from DMC. I don't think it gets more hipster than wearing like a giant thrift shop hoodie with the Union Jack. That's fine, but that was last year. Nope, nope. We're making it. It's coming out again. Yeah, but that's next year. Well, you know what? Fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, so those are those are the two. Now, what I wanted to just talk about oh so briefly is uh, Elegy for a Dead World. Um, cause I finally got around to playing it and I'm struggling with whether or not what, what to do with this game's review basically. So, okay. so to fill you guys in on, on what the game is, it's meant to be kind of a, a tool to, um, provoke creative writing. So like everybody here knows what a writing prompt is, right? No, what's a writing prompt? What is a writing prompt? Well, so you can you can Google some, but basically it would just be a paragraph that says like, um, you wake up, you are covered in blood, and you look over and you see a door. What happens next? And so it's just something to kind of give you the base points of a, of a narrative and then tell uh, a story. I, I, I'll tell you what happens next. I walk over to the door. And I notice that there is a circular 
little hole in the door missing. So I reach through it and I get a pleasant surprise in my palm, warm and pulsing. It starts to stiff it up, I noticed. So naturally, as if by instinct, I move my hand up and then down and up and then down. And I hear a person on the other side moan with great pleasure. Was it a Is key? anyone still on this podcast? Keep keep going. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, so, yeah, writing prompt. <laughs> so, Elegy for a Dead World is uh, is a collection of writing prompts, but they're stored inside this... Uh, so, so basically, you start out in this in space, just floating through space, and there's three portals that you can go into, and each portal that you go into will put you on a 2D plane where you walk through this this abandoned world, and there's each each one's slightly different. So there's like one that has these giant monolith statues that stand in the background, and they look kind of like Atlas from from Greek mythology, you know, and they're holding up a planet or or a giant sphere. Um, and there's one that has just like a lot of technology littered around and there's one where there's snow, but the theme that they all have in common is they're all just basically dead planets. And, um, every few steps you'll encounter a little, a little pen on the ground. And if you press tab over it, it will give you, you know, the prompt basically. And it will just be like part of, it's almost more Mad Libs than writing prompt. Um, like I feel like a writing prompt is something where it's like a paragraph and then and then you go from there, right? Like they set a stage for you and then you begin to write. But this is more like you'll you'll walk up to a, a piece of work and it'll be like the planet was cold and blank and then it it'll do like it made me feel blank and you you, just like spend, you it can, made me feel like I want to be back home. You can edit in anything straw, in the arms of my big strong bubba. You can who's ed- waiting for me. With his taut muscles and some and nice crew. vegetable oil. What did you learn from this Playboy? Um, <laughs> oh no, this is from the Playgirl. So you can, you can, uh, I, you are really fucking up my train of thought here. Um, you can, you can edit anything you want. You're not just stuck filling in the blanks, and you can also choose which prompt. So each portal has like you know ten different options to choose from that kind of tell slightly different stories. But so the thing about it is, is that because all the imagery is dead planets, guess what all the good, like, high-rated fiction that people have submitted is about? Bears. Penises. Yeah, that's right. I actually haven't seen a penis one yet, believe it or not. Um, All of the content that I have read is about dead planets. And I just thought that over time it kind of it kind of loses its luster. Like, everybody's just trying to be really poetic with it. And, and well, because not everyone yeah. is as creative and smart as they think they are, and that's why writing's not for everyone, and that's why you should leave it to the professionals. Well, but at the same time, like, I think it kind of just... I think by having the visual accompaniment, I think it kind of stifles the, the writing aspect, right? Like, um, I, I, I basically... I guess what I'm asking you guys is... Because everybody here has done some writing... To you, is that a good kind of prompt? One where you have like a skeleton laid out before you, but you have a really strong visual accompaniment the entire way. Um, I, I can give you guys a better prompt right now. Right this second, I can do it, honestly. I, I think that it would be better for me if I had some sort of audio prompt than a visual prompt. Because I, I am being... set some mood, but it doesn't actually like railroad you towards a specific... I, I am being 100% serious when I tell you guys I can give you a better prompt right this second. Okay, go. 
Okay, so you basically, you know, you can try this exercise later. But the exercise is basically this. You have to take uh, two individuals you know. One is supposed to be uh, very young, but probably one of the youngest people you know. And the other one has to be the oldest person you know. And it's better the more, uh, you know, uh, counter their their personalities, the better. But just take the oldest person you know and take the youngest person you, you know. Put them both in a convenience store. The convenience store gets robbed. Go. You're telling me to do food fight from fucking Shadowrun? Um, it doesn't have to be. It could be a bank. <laughs> You're telling me to do food fight from. No, I'm giving you an Shadowrun. actual. I'm giving you an actual writing exercise. If you don't want to take the writing prompt, don't take the writing prompt. I'm t- but I'm telling. But these two. But these two characters are supposed to interact through um, the robbery. It's bas- the basic idea of it. And I think once you do that, because it's doing, it's doing, it's doing a couple of things, right? It's not just giving you the setting which Dead Worlds is doing. It's also giving you the characters that you're going to work with, and it's giving everyone a different set of personalities to work with. Because not everyone is going to know the same teenagers, and not everyone is going to know the same senior citizen. So you take them, and it gives you more places to go than saying, "Oh, you're the lone survivor on a dead world," you know. And and everyone's mind of robbery is different. Like yours is. Food fight and Shadowrun, which I don't know much about Shadowrun, but you know maybe um, Doug's is going to look like Payday the Heist, and maybe Michael's would look like you know Grand Theft Auto, which means Michael wouldn't be writing anything because there are no heists in Grand Theft Auto. But <laughs> the robber leaves the Seven Eleven, and what does he see but the lost empire of a thousand dead planets? <laughs> <laughs> because he's on space. Mine was about sex. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I buy. think I, yeah, I think I think to do to in order to give you a more creative prompt, just to answer your question, you need to give people a few more parameters to work with, which sounds like it's being more restrictive, but it's actually being less restrictive because people are able to draw on more things than just the single prompt. So let me let me ask a question to you guys, and this is I, I hate this question. It's really kind of just a shitty discussion in general i feel like but i feel like it's something that i really want to have here is this a game is what i have described to you a game no Uh, sure it doesn't sound like a very fun game but um i think it's a game as much as vocaloid is a game (laughs) i think it gives you the uh you know not project diva but the vocaloid software itself i think it gives you the tools to kind of start doing it's more of a it's more of a tool it's more of a writing tool that's how i felt that's how i felt too is that it's really more tool than game and so i've i felt kind of uneasy uh applying a score to it but i think as i started to focus on it as a tool i started to think about why i didn't even really like it as a tool and and then i felt more appropriate to take away or or add points to it um because I just think, looking at it from a writer's perspective, I, I don't really think it's all that helpful. And even if you look at the game's like best reviews on Steam, nobody who reviews it and gives it a, a, a glowing review, not a single person has spent more than three hours in it. I shouldn't say not a single person, because that's probably not entirely true, but most people, the average clock seems to be about two and a half hours. Hmm. So, I mean... They're asking for $15 for something that lasts you two and a half hours. I mean, wow. I don't know. I'm torn on on whether or not that's worth it. And to a lot of people, it's not going to be worth it because if you if you don't fancy yourself a writer and don't really care to be involved with it, 
then it's a colossal waste of your time because it really is just going to come across more like homework than anything else. Couldn't you just go to like DeviantArt and look up someone's landscape architecture and be like, this is a dead world. I'm going to write, write about it. I guess that's the and thing. And I'll pay $15. That's the thing to me. <laughs> and so like they, they do a couple of things that I really like where um, they have one where they've written everything for you, um, but they put grammatical errors in it on purpose. And you can go in and basically just correct those grammatical errors. And it's that meant to be awesome. Well, I, I yeah, like I, I like it. Fun. So, so you got to keep in mind. Perfect. You got to keep in mind that part of their angle here is they're going to try and get this into like K through twelve and that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I think it. I think it's very unique and could be really valuable to a student or a classroom. But for like personal home use, the thing about it is, is I go and I fix this grammar, but there's no answer key. It, but it's kind of like it doesn't actually you know, tell you whether or not you did it right. I, I like when I when I because I was supposed to review um, this game originally, and when I read the description, I thought the world would be a little bit more dynamic than that. And it's not like we don't have the technology to do that. We've been doing it since we play, been playing uh, RPGs on the computer, you know. Um, but it, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's literally just the prompt, and that's it. And uh, nothing. It, there's nothing really interactive about it is what it sounds like. I like, I like the art. I like the audio. It's really haunting. It's really effective, but it can really only elicit a certain type of story. And if you look at the most and popular that works, story, you go to the dead world and then you find a bunker and this bunker is laid 90 to toe with red velvet with glory holes. Yes. And in the, <laughs> I said red velvet, 90 red velvet. You didn't mm. let me finish, but there's a stack of condoms right next to you. And I'm done now. <laughs> so that was your prompt. So 90% of, of this material, uh, what do you do with the, the condoms? I, I blow them all up and tie them off. And then I jump into it like a ball pit. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> I would put them on a rock hard shaft. This <laughs> is, Let's talk about Persona. Fuck it. <laughs> um, saying I would wait to see what comes through the glory holes and then make my decision. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wise, uh, wise choice. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Only one thing comes through a glory hole. Yeah, but the question is: Is it big and black, or is it like just small and pale? Well, in Jay's earlier story, his hand is or, what came or, through the glory hole. Wait, is, or is this it an like, alien world? Because maybe it'll be blue. It or maybe it will be like purple with like fucking tundras and shit. It might be spiked like a cat's. Yeah, hey, I'm exactly. not. I'm not going to judge. I just just want to make sure first. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Dude, if you're not into spikes, you're not into spikes. I mean, that's yeah. But I'm. You have a choice. I very much am. <laughs> <laughs> and could it could be corkscrewed shaped like a duck's? <laughs> Why is our Christmas podcast? Where we where we opened up about about sentiment and the importance of Christmas we didn't open and family. Up with sentiment. Oh, we, we got we got we got pretty sentimental, sentimental about right there. Christmas. No, everybody else wanted to show what good people they are and how evil and materialistic Jared is. <laughs> so everybody went back into like their little orphan story about the time that they picked up a homeless boy and brought him home and fed him a turkey on Christmas. Remind me. Jared. And all Jared can remember Jared. is when he didn't get Power Wheels and it made him mad. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me, Chad, who was the one who mentioned glory holes? I didn't say anything about a glory hole. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what what if a Slim Jim comes out of that glory hole and I accidentally put something terrible in my mouth? 
<laughs> because anything else that comes out of the glory hole that you put in your mouth could be better. Nothing could be worse than a Slim, slim Jim. Jim. Eating a Slim Jim. <laughs> He's got a point there, man. Okay. All right, let's let's wrap this up with Persona, shall we? So welcome sure. to Lucio Senpai's uh, friendship lover investigation corner. And I'm not going to do the presentation so I can, didn't come up with anything. But So basically Persona 4 is, Persona Q is a mixture of Persona 4 and Persona 3. Where they put all the kids into uh, this uh, labyrinth and they have to figure out to, a way to get out. It's essentially a dungeon crawler. In the style of like a Trin Odyssey or Paper Sorcerer or Might of Magic, that kind of game. Um, it's good shit. Get it. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice to go. There... Uh, so, wait, it's basically it's a dungeon crawler, right? Yeah. So, so it works. In... So for yeah. me, let me let me ask because for me the charm of you're Persona. You're going to hate it. You're going to. Yeah, hate that it. you you already read my mind, I guess. So the charm of Persona is like the the classroom environment and and the character interactions and uh, juggling whether or not people like me and explaining to my niece why people are dead. <laughs> But and that's, all gonna die. which now that I've collected some amiibos, I really do understand. Uh, so maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll go back to the game and, and let her know why. Um, so some of the things, some of the things that are, make Persona good are there. Like one of the, the f- think of it more as fan service than anything else. One of my favorite parts of the game is watching the kids from Persona Three and Four interact with each other, like watching both parties talk about like you know their experience and stuff. And how like fucked up Persona Three is compared to Four, even though Four is pretty fucked up in itself. So it's already kind of not for me because I didn't play Three, right? Like that already right. that already kind of crosses that off. But there's no like social link stuff. You're not going to have to explain to your cousin why her mom is dead. Um, so n- none of that is there. There's a lot more focus on the combat, which is fine. It's hard. It's still a it's still a Shin Megami Tensei game. Is it is it any harder than the other personas? Uh, no, I don't think so. But you know, it's still it has that edge where you you can pretty much coast through everything if you if you're smart. But if you're not careful, like even the smallest, like so, then it's definitely not for Jared. Yeah. Right. What? But what does that mean? <laughs> so let's just say that uh, it took me a while to get through this one one floor because there was this enemy that kept like like wrecking my shit and he wasn't even a boss he was just a regular enemy until I figured out what persona I needed to fuse to kill to beat him it's that kind of thing yeah. so I want to clarify something here I here here's here's my issue with persona 4 and why I haven't picked it up for a little while I got to the kanji dungeon I went through every single floor and I explored every nook and cranny of each floor before I and went up. You found and, out that and there's no way you would have a sexual encounter with no, Kanji no, and no, Steve no. House, right? And I fought every single enemy, okay? Every single enemy on every single floor. And by the time I was at the top of the of the castle or whatever, I was level 17. I fight Kanji, I get wiped. I go look online and it says that I should be at least level 21. That's fucking bullshit. I don't want to go back and and fight and grind on floors. I'm not doing any of that shit. There's no way. So fuck you, Persona Four. I don't really. Okay. I don't really think you need to grind that much on on just Mega Ten games in general. I think what you need to master is the personas that you need to use for each boss. I don't like those either because they don't make sense. Well, I mean that I guess is fair. This is the first. Uh, Mega Ten game I played, and I played 
also Nocturne, which if you think Persona 4 is unfair, Nocturne is a fucking nightmare. Um, so, you know, I already kind of have an idea of what you need to fuse. Because even Personas and Demons, which is what they're called in the in the main franchise, they still kind of use the same guy. So, like for example, we were having that discussion last time about uh, the one boss that you needed to fuse Jack Frost to beat. That's just, you know, experience. So maybe, yeah, um, I guess if you are new to the franchise, it is hard to figure out what you need to fuse. Because the Persona that I needed to fuse was... Um, his name is Power in this one, but it's basically like a big red samurai guy that has one attack that uh, stops magic. And I just remember that he existed. <laughs> I, I feel like... And there's like there, there's no like indication in the game that that guy is there unless you already know what to look for him. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my biggest problem with Persona 3 and why I wasn't, why wasn't able to finish uh, for the person who played it. Oh. And it's because of, I feel like it's a lot of uh, trial and error in terms of mixing your personas, in terms of using them. And you just kind of have to keep using shit until you see what works. And if you kind of meet a dead end, and, and you know, you just kind of memorize it or you write it down and you reload your game and you start diffusing over until you get a favorable result. And I really like Persona 3, but I ended up dumping about 70 hours into that game. And I would say 30 hours of that was kind of the artificial time sink of dumping the personas. And then I got into Persona 4, and I really liked that. But I realized since it was so close to 3, since it was so much uh, similar thing, that, again, I would have to deal with the time sink, and I kind of put it down for a while because of that. Um, you know, so that's my only kind of grievance with it, but I feel like it's more... You know, I don't. it's not necessarily a thing where you need a strategy guide. It's just a thing where you need the time and patience to do it. And I think Jay hit on something interesting because I was telling him, I think it was a few days ago, that uh, this is like, again, this is the fifth game I played in this series. And I still feel like I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing when I'm mixing personas. I just keep trying until I get something that works. So there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Because even all with all the knowledge that I come, you know, bringing from all the other games, it still kind of feels like try and error. I mean, a game based about around persona that is entirely dungeon based sounds like my nightmare like i'm not i'm I'm glad that you've clarified that that's all it is because i'm so not on board for that <laughs> so no i think perfect. you'll hate it i mean i like it i like it a lot i think it's going i'm going to score it high unless it fucks up somehow uh there's a lot of uh fun service for people who play both games uh even if you played like other games in the series or even other games by atlas so there's this one section that it's like three out of Catherine, which you know it's not really. Oh, seriously? Really. Yeah. Tell me more. So basically, you go into this one scene where you're okay. So the story takes place in uh, uh, like I guess a pocket universe where uh, the students are trapped in uh, um, an imitation of Jasogami High, and this is uh, one area um, where they have like the imitation of the culture festival. And so they have this one little mini game where you shoot uh, Vincent figurines. <laughs> That's cute. So you know it's it's all fan service. Yeah. So it really makes a lot of difference if you played other games by Atlas or in the series. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it does seem like a kind of I, I I feel like the whole run, with the exception of maybe the fighting game, it just feels like pure fan service. Like dancing all night looks like it's going to be fan service. You know. And I think one of the things that 
it's interesting is that I was expecting to not like this game very much, but it's still very good quality gameplay in terms of how the combat system is. So the combat system changed a little bit. Now, uh, you don't have the main character. So the whole thing with Persona is the main character has the wildcard ability where they can make whatever Persona they want. They kind of took away that in the sense that the main character will still have their Persona where you chose... Uh, the character from Persona 3 that has Orpheus or the Persona 4 that has Itsanagi, you will also um, not be able to change those. What you do have, though, is an ability to where you are now can add a second Persona to your characters, but you can add them to every character. So, for example... Oh, that's, actually, have... that's actually closer to the original ones, because I think in the first two, more characters could just use more Personas in general. The wild card thing is new to 3 and 4. I think to make the lead extra special. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, I don't. I haven't played the first two, so I wouldn't know. But um, it's it kind of gives it a in, you know a, another edge of strategy strategy to the thing. For example, I, I put a like I gave Mitsuru, who has always been weak against fire, a fire persona. So now she's also strong against fire. So now she has her regular Artemisia persona and whatever I gave her, I forgot the name. And you can do that to all of your, to your whole party. That's neat. So it's it's interesting. It's, that's the biggest difference that they threw in the game. But other than that, you know, it's like I said, it's all. Um, it's all just like fan service. You know, you you can choose who you're gonna get in your team. You know. It tells you that you need to choose your team carefully, but I haven't really seen any reason to, especially now that you can equip any persona on any on any player. Having, for example, somebody that has Garo isn't that important anymore. You can just equip a persona that has that attack on them. So you can just use your favorite little amiibo in the team instead. Exactly, which is fine. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, that's pretty good. I mean, I mean, that's kind of better to me, because I feel like in Persona 3, you know, once you get got the uh, later members of your party, once you got, like, Mitsuru and... Um, Koromaru and... Yeah, Koromaru and all of them, there was no reason to use the earlier people. And Persona 4 was the opposite. Once you got Chie and uh, Yukigo and all of them, there was no reason to use the later characters. So it's kind of nice that now um, you can kind of use who you like, I think. It's good. I mean, I have no... no complaints. There are some characters that are still kind of... Like, Mitsuru is still a really good all-around character. Uh, Yukiko is still kind of like a magical powerhouse. Um, but in general, you can really use whoever you want. So, you know. Like I said, it's fan service. You want to spend your time with Kanji, you can spend your time and with And we Kanji. all want to all spend our want. time with Kanji. Who doesn't want to? Are you saying he likes dudes? Uh, I'm saying I like dudes. No, I didn't. I don't mean what? I like women. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, God bless us, is, uh, everyone. It doesn't really matter who you take because it's a Persona game. So, you know, if you still have like, you know, just five people in your active party, everybody is technically there. So, you know, you won't miss like any fancy dialogue or anything like that. So everybody's there. Right. So you can like right. do all you want. Yes. 
So I I think I think that brings us pretty close to to a conclusion here. Um, I do I I won't talk about it this week. I'll talk about it I guess uh, maybe next week, maybe next year. Um, the or next podcast rather, but the uh, Talos principle. I've been playing that a little bit. Um, I, I've been a little curious about that one. It, it, I'm. I'm not sure how I feel yet. They're comparing themselves to Portal a lot. That's a high uh, mm, <laughs> That's a tough sell, right? Um, and right now, it almost certainly, like I can guarantee you with the hour or two that I've played so far, it definitely does not have the charm of Portal. Um, but, so the you're, you're a robot that finds yourself like mysteriously transported to this uh, Roman, like ancient Roman ruins. And uh, a guy, a god, basically starts talking in your ear. He calls himself Elohim, which is Hebrew for God. And he lets you know that, you know, he created this world for you and that you can explore it. But he's very specific to warn you not to go near this giant tower. And I know I'm going in that giant tower and I'm I'm a little curious about what's going to happen. So I guess I'll uh, I guess I'll keep you guys posted on that. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah it's not it's not portal though um almost almost certainly not it's a puzzle game in first person with a non-speaking main character who's guided by an omnipresent voice um so i guess if that's if that's portal then then i guess it mission accomplished <laughs> so anyway i think that pretty much concludes this uh very festive edition of the enemy yeah, yeah, podcast this was nothing like the podcast that you wanted is it? uh i would say no <laughs> <laughs> it was better <laughs> uh you guys know i have a job <laughs> and like i'm gonna have to edit this shit <laughs> we'll see i i've been, i've taken a very lax turn with our editing as of late so uh, if you've noticed and enjoyed that, I guess write into us. And if you've noticed and thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to this podcast, I guess write us about that. Oh, um, listen, all I all, all I did here was I talked about uh, a lady, uh, a ginger lady who's got freckles, very nicely padded above her nice ample. Okay, uh, all right. Cheekbones, cheekbones. And I, I was just going to say, give the cheekbones. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the Enemy Slime. Both of those services. Uh, go visit our website, enemyslime.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Do, I don't, just do whatever, I guess. Um, link us on your favorite browsers forum. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and with that, we are out. And just so you know, you. It's uh, too late. We're going to. <laughs> you cut that out, didn't you? It's asshole. too late. Silence. <laughs> silence for all. <laughs>